You're listening to a sermon podcast from Paramount Church in Columbus, Ohio. To learn more, visit ParamountColumbus.com. Thank all of you for leading us and preparing our hearts as we come on our Good Friday service this evening. Have a brief time together to think about the things that have taken place, to think about things as we leave this place, and to think in these ways that it would change us, that we would be different from this day forward. We wouldn't go backwards, but we would be moving forward. And as we look at uh, this scene, and and there's no way to cover all of it, um, we know it's a good Friday because we know that for those who love God and are called according to His purpose, all things work together for good. And we see that even in the cross. That even in this, this most horrendous situation, scene, act, life, real, took place, doesn't seem like this is just, it's just too much. And yet all the good that comes out of it is astounding. Absolutely astounding. Our text is just, before we get started, let me pray for us once more, and then we'll be in Matthew 27. Father, we just come to you one more time, knowing that you are here, knowing that we are desperate for you and for your spirit to do a work. And just in these brief moments, as we quickly just look at your word and look at the things that Christ, all the things that took place, just grab a couple of those things, look to, to, to apply those things to our life and see Christ and the example that he sets constantly throughout his life, even in dying and taking our place, taking our place on the cross in this wrath that was poured out. God, we love you. We see this so vivid, your great love for us. May we be overwhelmed. May we be drawn back to again that maybe we've gotten used to some things. I pray that you would stir us and move in our hearts and our lives and to continue to grow our love for you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Matthew 27, verse 32 through 54. As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon, by name. They compelled this man to carry his cross. And when they had came to the place of Gal- called Galgotha, which means place of a skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but he, when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, what a simple statement, and it moves on. They divided his garments and among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and they kept watch over him there. And over his head they put a charge against him which read, This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right hand and one on the left. And those who passed by, by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. He is king of Israel. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were, who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. 
That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders here, hearing it said, this man is calling out to Elijah. And one of, them, one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on the reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks split what you just sang. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and prepared and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. There's no way to cover everything. We're just going to grab a couple of things here and try to use those to be challenged, to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to be drawn closer to God in our heart's desires. It's interesting in all of the the berating and the, the mocking of Christ, how there's truths that are spoken. There's one truth that's found in verse 41. It says, either Jesus, Jesus have Jesus, so also the chief priests and the scribes and elders mocked him saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. He can't do both. If he saves himself, he can't save us. If he saves himself, then he has to pay the sacrifice for us that he took our place. The next little interesting thing that's kind of struck me from our last ABF study that we just finished and we're looking at the scriptures and seeing the, 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 for, the showing the, the four, I don't know what word I'm looking for, what? I'll take it. <laughs> the foreshadowing. And you see that darkness falls. There's a, there's, a, there's a small picture of the Exodus. And you remember back in Exodus, and darkness came. And it was the ninth plague. And darkness fell, and they were to put blood over the post. And if they did not, the firstborn was killed. Was taken. God's judgment fell. Death happened. Deliverance from bondage was taking place. Here we almost see a second exodus. Darkness falls during those hours. It's at, Al- at Golgotha, the place of the skull, but it is not the firstborn of God's enemies that dies this time. It's God's only begotten Son who dies. Darkness falls. Judgment falls. God's death happens. Deliverance has been made from the bondage of sin and what has taken place. What else do we see and hear in Jesus' suffering? As we just take little glimpses and little pieces here and apply them, you read in verse 46, and Jesus was quoting the psalm that you heard earlier. In the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama, lima, sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is quoting the scriptures. Jesus is a man of the word of God. 
He is always, the God, God's word is on his lips. We think of other places where um, Christ has quoted scripture. You go and you think of the time that he was in the wilderness. 40 days and 40 nights. Without anything to eat. Satan comes after him. Offers him everything. Tries to break him down. And every single time, what does he do? He quotes scripture. He quotes scripture. Every single time. Jesus is a great example for us that God's word is always on his lips. What about us? We're right here in the midst of this great, brutal suffering. There's been beatings, lashings, things that have taken place long before we got to where he's on the cross. When life strikes us the hardest, what comes out of us? Here Christ is crying out and he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting Psalm 22. It's such a great example to us. It's like when we are stricken with life and we are stricken hard, what comes out of us? Does the Word of God flow from you freely? My wife and my girls use this term, listen. Some of you that know us well, you've been around and it's like, it's listen. That's when it gets serious. When you get the finger and listen, you need to listen. Listen to yourself. When life strikes you, and maybe not even hard, what comes out of us? You hear... Love your neighbors. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. What about when you get the doctor's report? And it's very unsettling. What comes out of your mouth? What comes out of my heart? What flows from me when I am squeezed? When you're frustrated with your children. I don't know that that's a life's hard strike. But it is relentless sometimes. And you'll find yourself going, what in the world is coming out of me? Your employer. Most people I talk to don't like their jobs. They're always looking for something else. What's inside of me? What comes out of Kevin when adversity and suffering comes my way? Here's a commercial, brief commercial. ABF. That's something that we do here at 9.15 on Sunday morning. Matter of fact, we all covenanted together to do that together on Sunday morning. Right before the service. And we're getting ready to start a new uh, series. How People Change. This is discipleship at its finest. This is doing a work in us that God does from the inside out. It is seeing how to focus on the heart. 
and taking the scriptures and applying those things to our life. I beg you, I plead with you, you should be here. This, is, this was a main thread of our church in, 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 in our belief system and how we go about discipleship. Jesus is a great example for us. I pray that you, we will be challenged at going, what's coming out of my mouth? Does the Word of God flow from me? Do I find myself meditating on the Word of God so that when I am squeezed, it's in me and it just flows out of me? That's power. That's promise. That's what will help you when you're struggling to know that's truth. That's Christ's example to us. Everywhere through Scripture you see Him and it's quoting and it's Scripture and He's speaking the Word of God. Oh, I long for us to be a people who are saturated with the Word of God. That just flows out of us. The next thing we see and we hear, Jesus prays from the garden to the grave. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. That's previous. And he's there and he's agonizing. Great suffering. Unbelievable. Wrestling. And he sees and he looks into the cup. And he sees the wrath of God that is coming. And I don't know that he just almost steps back from the horror of what he sees. This is a man who is sinless. Sinless perfection. And he's getting ready to receive all the wrath of God for all those who will be saved for all eternity. It's going to be poured out on him. He's praying in a way that he's sweating drops of blood. He knows what's coming. And yet he still asks the Father, is there any way? Can you take this from me? Oh, if it's possible. And yet he takes that cup and he drinks it dry. It's almost like he drops the mic. He just turns it upside down. The Puritan Richard Cecil says, Jesus Christ drank the cup of wrath without mercy so that we might drink the cup of mercy without wrath. Praise God. Jesus prays again. It's not in this text, but it's in another recording in the Gospels. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Who? There's a call for us. When you get persecuted, when you get treated wrongly, and you get treated wrongly for doing good, not getting treated wrongly because you did wrong, but because we did good. He is doing a work here that is, is hard to even imagine. And He's taking that kind of beating, Being crucified, nailed to a tree. You know this. If you're a believer here, you know this. And he's praying, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And Jesus prays, he prays, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me?
And you hear back in verse 43, it says, He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. He trusts in God. That's also from uh, you're, you're being, he's being, um, I don't know why I'm forgetting words, being mocked with Scripture. The same words are right there in Psalm 22. He trusts in God. He absolutely trusts in God. Yes, he did. So much so that as he is on the cross and this is being poured out on him, he screams and he cries out to God. My God, my God. My God. He's crying out to his God. When he feels like he has... Been, he's in isolation. He feels forsaken. He feels abandoned. But he's not. But he feels that. You see here, this is fully God, fully man. And he's crying out and he, he's experiencing this, but he's not really forsaken totally. It's almost like the song that we sing. How deep the Father's love. And, he, and, and, and it says in there that God turns His face away. It's almost that He can't look at, on this, this wrath and this sin that is being poured out on Him that He is paying for by His blood. The Father turns His face away. Is it faith and flesh that's taking place? Do you ever feel forsaken by God? Come on. You ever feel like God's not there? There's times that He's not so close. There's times you wonder what He's doing. We pray here on Sunday nights, last Sunday of every month. For a long stretch there, and just almost, I don't know, could have been described as boring. You know, I'm not so much that the, the feeling that God is not around is more of us than it is with God. This past Sunday night that we prayed, was something special. God was here. And you know what? He's here every Sunday night. It's what is our heart? Maybe is it some sin that he has to like turn his face away that we don't deal with? There's something that's going on that is causing a break in that that relationship that the nearness is not there. I know we seem to come a little more prepared this past Sunday or we made a little bit more focus and drawing attention to. Hey, when we say we're praying and we're coming together as a body, God is here. We're coming to talk to God. And we're coming and we're asking God to use us to proclaim this gospel. To proclaim this death. So that others can be saved. 
We're meeting here together where there's a lot of believers and the Holy Spirit is here. There should be power in here. What a what a, a an astounding thing that I sit here and I go, and as a pastor of this church, when we don't pray to God, I don't know why we would expect anything to happen. Christ Himself prays every step of the way. Oh, it was so sweet. It was so refreshing to me. We're not ever forsaken. When you feel like He's not near, or you feel like the things that are happening in life are just like, what are you doing, Lord? It doesn't make any sense. I'm questioning what He's doing. Cry out and go, my God, my God, I know you haven't forsaken me. If you read on in those verses in, in, in Psalm 22, he, he, he makes that plea and he goes on to say of his struggle. And then he goes into it and goes, oh, no, 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 you were faithful to the fathers. You were faithful to deliver. You have to, you have to do that when our flesh is, is overpowering our faith. We have to at least go and say, oh, I know, my God, my God. He will make this all work for His good, for His glory. Let me, let me walk with you in fellowship. Let me glorify you in this, whether I understand it or figure it out or not. Oh, that we would be a people of much prayer. We would just know that that is, that is the first thing. That is the first response. To walk with Him in such a way that it's just natural conversation. Jesus prays. He prays again and again and again. Now, as we look at this suffering, I want you to feel it. I want it to land heavy on you. When you think about the garden and the agony, all of his closest friends forsook him, the scourge, the beating. I'm not going to go into the details because of the, the, the little ones. Rush talked about it this past Sunday. You, 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 you sit still. And you think hard on that scourging. There's a point you want to just like stop. Stop. He was beaten to where he was unrecognizable. This is the work that's being done for you, for me. There is a general call, but oh, don't generalize this. Tonight and this weekend, spend some time and be still and take this in. The price that was paid. I want it to land hard. 
we have done these services before and we tried one time to say, hey, just walk out and don't say anything. Because it should do a work in us. Get busy. He was mocked. He was spit upon. I don't know if there's anything more degrading. I think you'd rather take a punch in the face and somebody to hock a loogie on you. That's nasty. He snatched his beard out. That's tender stuff. Crown of thorns. Not just rosebush stickers. Thorns. Smashed on his head. He was crucified. Nailed to a tree. Took your place. Took my place. That song goes on and says, It was my sin that held him there. Feel the costliness. This is the Lord's Supper stuff, right? I struggle with the Lord's Supper because it seems sometimes simplistic. What does it say? Do this in remembrance of me. And you proclaim my death until I come. See, the Lord's Supper is good because it brings us back to center. It reminds us of the great price and the cost that was paid for my salvation. When I sit and I look at the cross and this Son of God beaten, shedding His blood, absorbing, taking all the wrath and the payment so that I can be made righteous and there's no way I can get it than if He doesn't do it and give me the grace to receive it. Why do I want you to feel it? Why do I want this to be heavy? Why do I want this to weigh in on you? I don't know what you're expecting when you're coming in here. Now I'm going to try to lighten it a little bit. See, it's so important that it lands on us heavy because we see the cost of my sin. And see, if you see this and it grips your heart, And you see what is all taking place. And this is all orchestrated. Everything going according to plan. Nothing is happening. It's not supposed to be happening. See, it's important because you cannot ever look at your sin the same way. If you can, sit there a little longer. And I think, well, a poet stated it this way, Ye who think of sin but lightly, nor suppose the evil great, here here may view its nature rightly. It's a costly grace. Paul Tripp puts it this way. He, He made this statement this past week on something I saw online. If you minimize your sin... 
you won't seek this amazing grace that is yours in Christ Jesus. You're missing out on grace because we think lightly of our sin. Oh, it was a cost. Yes, it's free. Come. You don't know Christ tonight? Don't leave here without knowing Jesus Christ. This is an amazing, unbelievable story. Let us proclaim His death until He comes. Why didn't He say, hey, proclaim my resurrection? That's a lot better. Right? We need this in our lives because we think lightly of sin. Oh, the cost that was paid for us. Don't ever think lightly. I hope you go out of here and your life is absolutely different from this day forward. That we are people who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That our holiness is happiness. It's in Jesus. Look what He has done. How can my satisfaction just overflow? when This is what He has done for me. Oh, sit and look. Let it weigh in. I watch a movie every year. I know it's not totally correct. But it's something that I've done for years and years and years. And I sit down and I look at that beating and that scourging. And it absolutely just astounds me. It causes me to, to cry. To cry out to God. And such a, it, it, it's sinful. My own sinfulness. We think so lightly. So lightly. This is a cost. Man, we love grace. We love the mercy. It came at a high cost. It came at a high cost. Oh, it should just create a love in us like no other. Look at what He has done. And even then, if He doesn't come after you, you never would choose it. You sitting in here, it's God's grace being lavished on you so that the Holy Spirit can say, hey, come to Jesus. May He change your heart and you cry out to God and say, yes, I'll take Him and I'll lay my life down for Him as best I can. Oh, He is worthy, is He? Yes, He is. Oh, He is worthy. Of so much more. Don't dabble in no sin. Don't chase after the things of this world. Run to the cross. There's a reason why he said do the Lord's Supper. Don't forget this. Remember. The Bible is full of remember, 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 remember. There's nothing new here for a lot of you. I hope that you're reminded of this is the basic. This is it. Verses 50 and 54. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and he yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook, and the rocks were split, and the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection. They went into the holy city and appeared to many. This is a hot mess right here. This is astounding. Wouldn't you like to be a part of this? And when the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, 
Truly, this is the Son of God. Truly, this is the Son of God. Oh, go proclaim His death everywhere you go. Go share this great gospel message. Let people in on this unbelievable love story, this love that is being lavished on those who are going to die and go to hell if they don't hear this. And the Holy Spirit doesn't take and turn them. I pray that we will become a people who are saturated in the Word of God. Keep growing and growing. I know it's taking place. Be encouraged. Keep doing it. Do it more. Pray. Pray. More and more. Pray. So that we would see God do things in us and in this church that we can't explain. There's no other thing we can say to going, God did this. God gave us this building in an unbelievable way. Oh, I long as we prayed the other night. The things that we prayed for, this is, we got things that are coming for this church. Pray. We should be a people of prayer. Fellowship with God. Why don't we want to do that? He's got an enemy. He don't want you there either. You got life pressing in on you. I know there's a lot of things. I hope you're encouraged. Pray. Fight for some time. And if you're lost and you're not saved, you come to Jesus tonight. You can see me. You can see any other. You can grab anybody in here. Maybe they're not saved and they'll come with you. You just keep looking until you find somebody. Somebody will continue to share this story with you. They'll be more than happy to share it with you. To see God work. Take someone from death to wife. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. As we look at this, and at your work, the heaviness doesn't need to come from me. But as we hear those things, I pray that the Holy Spirit would bring a heaviness to our hearts. And maybe our light attitude towards sin. That you have called us to be holy as you are holy. You know how we settle. It so affects our relationship. We're missing out on amazing grace that you lavish on us. That frees us. That that keeps us in fellowship with you. Walking with you. Staying yoked up with you. Oh, you're such a loving Father. You're so gracious to us. You're never harsh. You may press in. I pray that tonight you press in on all of us. We see this and we just long for more. Help us in this busy life. Slow down. To look into your face. And love you with everything that we have. Thank you so much. For Christ, thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.